Well, Rachel, uh, we start every episode with the same thing. This actually was not in my detailed email. Um, I say start the party, Dan, uh, to start every episode, and you get to tell me how to say it. I tell you how to say start the party? <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. tell me. So like it can be like a character or a situation or whatever. Tone of but voice. Yeah. 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 Will you say it like Kristen Wiig and Bridesmaids? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay. Uh, like what that's movie of, John has seen, right? What part uh, of Bridesmaids? I haven't like seen when Bridesmaids, she's, but I when she's, when she's on the big. plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she's on the plane, like yeah. she's, she's ready to party. I won't say it. Okay, no, but that's good. That's like a good because I don't. I haven't seen Bridesmaids, um, but I. Uh, John sees one movie a year. Approximately. You're a comedian, and you haven't seen Bridesmaids. He doesn't. He just doesn't watch movies. Look, it's, it's yeah. more. Of, it's less of a comedy thing and more of a movie thing. Although I will say, this year I'm doing very well. I've seen like probably 10 movies this year already. That's huge for you. Yeah. It's been a big year for me in movies. Uh, okay. I, so, so she's like very excited. Like it's like, uh, well, she's very okay. drunk. Oh, she's drunk. Well, okay. Yeah. So she's afraid she's a nervous flyer and there's a lot of anxiety going to on this trip with her bridal party. Well, she's not the one getting married. She is the maid of honor in her best friend's wedding. Okay. Um, and she's got this like, high key tension between her, like her and her best friend's other best friend who she's only just meeting and her other best, the other best friend um, is like a very glamorous, everything together, very wealthy kind of okay. uh, lady. So it's kind of like me and Stefan. I'm very glamorous. Yeah. And Stefan's yeah. kind of like a dirt pig. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and uh, so they're all in first class and um, and Kristen Wiig is back in coach and she's like been drinking and, and, and the other best friend gives her uh, an anxiety pill. They don't really specify what kind of pill it is. Sure. And then the combination of like the scotch and the pill makes her um, like, yes, she gets really relaxed, but then she also kind of loses her mind almost like like she's like making like noodles on Ambien. But instead of noodles, she's just like freaking, freaking the F out. and. Um, okay. Okay. And then, yeah, so I'm setting this up poorly, but <laughs> no, it's great. I, yeah. I think I got it all. Uh, you can also, you can say fuck on the show, by the way, just uh, in case you didn't know, you said freaking the F out. I just wanted to make sure that if you want to say fuck in the future, I, okay, good. by I, all I'll means, let it go. Okay, so, here we go. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to fuck this up. I think really badly, but here we go. All right. Ooh, start the party, Dan. Oh no, you got upset online. Looks like you're having a real bad time. Should've just ignored what I said But now I've got proof that you read it And for me, that's all I need What I live for is the air that I breathe Cause I'm rude for me and I'm not sorry Welcome everybody to the block party <laughs> um you should watch the movie i think yeah you should watch it. yeah that would help look yeah i will i will watch it maybe and then i will report back i will redo and that and you'll redo it and okay yeah. that makes sense yeah. and then dan you could edit that in post or whatever yeah she's sure. like uh, she's like oh yeah i'm feeling great i'm relaxed and i'm ready to pie 
Yeah. See, you should have yeah. just done it. I think <laughs> that would have actually helped. You did it way better than I did. Anyway, hello, friends, idiots, and friends who are also idiots. Welcome to your favorite podcast about social media and rejection. It is Blocked Party. This is episode number 187. I'm John. I'm Stefan. And with us is a, a fantastic guest who does a much better Kristen Wig than I do. Uh, she is a staff writer at Stereo Gum. Rachel Brodsky is here. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Of course. Hey, yeah. Thank you for being here. We're we're thrilled to have you. And I feel like I've already learned a lot about you just in that little the little start the party Dan moment that we <laughs> that we shared. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm pretty anyone who meets me tells me that I'm just like an open book, just a walking open book. I'm easy to read in general. I'm oh, okay. Not All right. not a hider. So what's like a secret you just really want to get off your chest? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the show is. The email was a trick. We just bring people on and they tell us their deepest, darkest secrets. We do do a secret episode. We, we do for yeah. a little bit. We have a bonus episode where people send us uh, their secrets anonymously and we read them. But most of the secrets are like, oh, I like crap my pants at the mall. <laughs> like, yeah. Or I crap my pants at the movies or... I mean, something along or those I crap lines. my yeah. pants at the camp summer camp. Oh, yeah. There was the guy who actually shit on the lawn. That was a good one, too. Oh, that was a good one. Had to yeah. shit really bad. So they just shit on someone's lawn. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a good one. Do you should I just do one on the show right now or? Uh, sure. I mean, because they're they're still going to email it to us, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to think of which ones I actually read on the show before. Um, but yeah. Oh, OK. Oh, this is good. I don't think I read this one on Secret Party. This is a good one. Okay. okay. And this kind of really does encapsulate a lot of the secrets we got. Okay. When I was in grade six, this is uh, <laughs> when I was in grade six, my friend had a camp out birthday party in his backyard. Five of my friends and I were in a fairly large tent in a very large backyard. I woke up in the middle of the night, really needing to go to the washroom, but when I tried to open the tent door. I could not open the zipper. Panicking as I really had to piss, I looked around for an alternative solution. I decided to unzip the nylon tent window so it was oh, only the bug mesh no. separating me from the outside. I proceeded to pee through the bug mesh <laughs> while my friends slept only feet away. Most of the pee went through the mesh, but obviously a fair amount got caught on the mesh and began to pool at the bottom of the window. I quickly zipped up the window and went back to sleep. No one ever found out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Until the bear showed up. That's oh, <laughs> that's so good. Just a bunch of oh my god, just a pool of piss. This is why oh. I don't camp. <laughs> I don't camp either. I would never camp in my life. But it's like, I think though, when you're that age, because that's you're old enough. Yeah, where you're like, this might work, right? Sure. Like I think you're, you know, like that you're like it might maybe it will just all go through the bug mesh. Yeah, but you're still young enough. To be like, oh, I don't care if it doesn't work and my friends get covered. And in that piss. your your piss stream isn't strong enough, too, because you're yeah. younger, right? So it, it's not going to make it through the mesh. But oh, my I God, I think this is a very a specific to to um, male uh, a, a, a male genitalia. Yeah. Uh, yes. I feel I feel as though women or women identifying or however uh, may not face the same um anatomical yeah. challenges. Well, it's a challenge, but it's also like, it's a challenge in, in the way that, that like, I feel like I am being challenged to like do something like, with it. You know what I mean? Like, so I think I would probably, if I couldn't unzip, I mean that obviously the alternative is that they piss themselves, I guess. Right. Um, which would be like a disaster. I don't know. I feel like I would try the, the pissing through the window thing. 
um, at, when I was younger. I think I would do it. John, would you? I'm trying to think. Like, maybe? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think of, like, what I mean when I say I'm trying to think is, like, I'm trying to think if there was a situation where I had to, like, really creatively pee and I was able to get out of that situation because I have a penis and that can sometimes be a little bit easier. Sure. Um, fuck. It I mean, does, there's gotta it does be. Open up a, it does open up a, a number of windows of opportunity. I feel like actually <laughs> speaking of windows, I have pissed out a car window before. Really? Well, yeah. it was moving. Yeah. What, what was the, okay. Let, what happened? Well, I, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. But the, the piss got on the car, right? Well, the car wasn't going very fast in fairness. Okay. It was pretty late. Like it was, we were out late one night and I had to, it was like me and a couple of buddies in the car and I had to pee really bad. And it was like, everything was closed and I wasn't going to make it home. I don't, I feel like I was either far away from home or I wasn't about to go home or whatever. And so, yeah, rather than, and then I was like, we'll just stop the car. But then that apparently wasn't an option either. You know, you're in, you're in high school. You're like, oh, you're not going to stop or whatever. So anyway, yeah. I pissed out, pissed out the window. Okay. But they slowed the car down, so it wasn't Yeah, they're like, being safe, obviously. I mean, as safe as you can be. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, let me... So we didn't have any blowback issues? Well, no, because uh, I guess you would have... Well, yeah, if you're going slower, that, that cuts down <laughs> on... Yeah. Yeah, but there was... I mean, you, if you hit, you hit the car, obviously, a little bit. Um, I want to ask you guys <laughs> something, which is... This is something I, I found out recently, and Dan, you know about this, um, but we were talking on, on the Twitch stream about this. And I just said this cause it's like a normal thing to say in Canada and apparently a normal thing to say in like Philadelphia and Baltimore. But I said, I'm done dinner as in <laughs> I'm done eating dinner. I'm done with dinner. And that to me is like a totally normal thing to say. Yeah. Like, does that sound normal to you guys or does it sound weird? Well, I'm from Canada, so yes. it sounds normal to me, Rachel. I'm, I'm thinking because I've spent ample amounts of time in both, Baltimore and Philadelphia. Okay. And if, if you just said that, I would know what you meant. I wouldn't, right. que- I wouldn't question it. Okay. Okay. Maybe, that's maybe good. I would find it weirder if you, if you said I'm done supper or something well, more sure. formal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, supper is a little, supper's more Eastern Canada. Like we don't really say supper in BC, I wouldn't say. No, but, but I, I was just, it's one of those things where, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever had this where, you say something not knowing it's like a regional thing. Uh, Cause that to me is like, that's the most normal thing in the world to me. I know there's our listeners are screaming at us right now. So, okay. But what was the, sorry to interrupt, but what was the implication that like done dinner means you would be done cooking it or you just wouldn't even say that? No. So I think the confusion was a lot of people were like, why wouldn't you say I'm done with dinner or I'm done eating, dinner? eating dinner. I why see. are you saying I'm done dinner? Because now mm. it sounds like you're saying that I am the finished dinner, but obviously that's not the case. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, it's like that Reddit thing where you're like, I'm done dinner. And then they're like, oh, hi, done dinner. Yeah, but it was yeah, just like fuck. one of those things where when Jesse was getting mad at me about it and, and the chat was getting mad at me about it or half the chat because half the chat is like Canadian. Uh, it was very, I thought they were doing a bit. I thought they were like doing this on purpose to like bother me. But apparently I, I'm the weird one for saying that. I'm done dinner. I'm finished dinner. I don't know. I don't know. That sounds... It wouldn't occur to me as being something to to uh, re- 
get on your case about. Okay. Okay. But, Thank you, Rachel. Appreciate that. But, Where I are mean, you from, Rachel? Well, are you East Coast? Are you? No, I, I'm uh, formerly East Coast. I'm well. I was actually born in Baltimore, but I oh, grew okay. up. But I grew up in New Jersey. Went okay. to school in Pennsylvania. Lived in New York for about eight or nine years, and then um, moved to LA in 2017, and I've been here for about five years. Okay. Okay. So to you, that's all like the Eastern seaboard. I sometimes do feel, Stefan, I think you're right. I do sometimes feel Canada has a bit more of a kinship with Eastern seaboard states than like the rest of America. Yeah. That and like Midwest as well, I think. Well, Midwest has a little bit more. It's more the accent, but I feel like they're not, you know, like you're not going to Minnesota and they're saying washroom or anything like that. No, but I will say here's the, here's something about Minnesota. I'm glad you brought that up is, uh, well, it's our synergy, man. I know. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's the old Dutch chip brand, right? Yes. And, and to me, that's a Canadian chip brand, but it's actually, it's a, it's a Minnesota chip brand. I found out recently it's from Minnesota. Yeah. But old doesn't Dutch? it feel, yeah, old Dutch, old Dutch is, uh, Rachel, have you had old Dutch chips before? I'm, I'm sure that I have, but okay. I can't, I really can't picture it right now. Um, all I think of when I think of chips in Canada is that you guys um, are so much more experimental with the flavors. Like you have like pickle chips yeah. and like ketchup chips. Yeah. All like, dressed. Like any, yeah, like anything could be a chip flavor. And um, it's just, it's just, you have so much more fun with it than, than uh, Americans it's, do. Well, it's, it's weird. It's the same thing with, with like chocolate bars, I feel, as well. Uh, John, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say two things, chip-wise. So I got in trouble, actually, recently from even Canadian people because they came out with a cucumber chip up here, um, oh. which I believe is is a, like an Asian. It's based on like an Asian flavor because it was supposed to be like oh, that's Lay's, the Lay's like one, right? flavors yeah. of the world or whatever. Yeah. So I think they had like a butter chicken one and, you know, obviously inspired from Indian food. And then they that's had incredible. The, yeah, they had cucumber I, and people gave me shit for liking the cucumber ones, but I thought they were very good. See, I, I'll just I'll never know. Like I, I'd at least in in the States, like I would like the chance to find out how I feel about cucumber chips. Yeah. But a lot I, of people gave me yeah. big shit, big shit. They were like, these aren't good. They're horrible. Cause they were, they're a little sweet. I so feel like I would like, like I don't want a sweet chip. I think I would like those. That I feel like, good. The, yeah, the international had like, a, like a chocolate covered chip. Those oh, are, yeah. those oh, are killer. Yeah. Oh, that's like such that's a nice, a, I get those at like Christmas time or like the holidays. Right. Yeah. And it's like a very, it, it, to me, it's a very like holiday treat, but you have, it's, you know, the potato chip itself is like, not like a crazy it's not like a really good potato chip necessarily. It's just a regular potato chip. Yeah. And, and the chocolate is not even always necessarily that high quality chocolate, but the two of them together are just so it's not, good. Yeah. But it's like, it's like the uh, sweet and savory. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and also the, like the texture too, I think, right. You get the yeah, crunch yeah, and you yeah, get the smoothness like the of the soft, chocolate. The soft and the crunch. Now, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, Rachel. This is uh, this is more of a Commonwealth thing, but have you ever had a Terry's chocolate orange? Oh, um, I have not, but I, I have been in the vicinity of them. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, look, I, I, I was there when other them. people were doing it. I, was, I, I can, didn't I can do it. I swear, mom, mind. I didn't do it. <laughs> I can picture them in my, like, I, I, I know that they're popular. I know that they're beloved, but, um, as I've gotten older, I've like, I, I've become much more closed-minded about what chocolate I want to eat. Like I'll only eat dark chocolate pretty much. Okay. If I have, if I have milk chocolate or anything like adjacent to milk chocolate like i'll instantly feel kind of ill 
Okay. Mm. Well, there is a dark chocolate version of the chocolate orange. All True. right. I'll have to go out and, and find it is the one. superior version. It is. I'll, I, I'll I let you know how I'll, I'll give you my review. Well, it, the whole thing with that obviously is I'm sure, you know, that you can, you hit it really hard on like a hard surface and then it, and then it splits open like an orange. Um, is it, is it a Christmas thing? It's, it's it a is more thing, of a Christmas yeah. thing. You okay, can get okay. them year round, but at Christmas I, I they'll have the displays up in the grocery store yeah. and stuff. Okay, got it. So, um, uh, I'm my family's Jewish, so I didn't grow up with typical. I mean, I, I would have them like I would have Christmas candies at school and yeah. stuff, but like we ate, you know, like gelt, obviously, like chocolate gelt, and then for uh, Passover, you'd like when I when I think of like orange candy. I think of these like gelatin, uh, like orange shaped little oh, candies. I've had that, those before. Yeah. Yeah. And you get them at like the deli or yeah. yeah um, delicious as a kid kind of make you want to throw up as a, as an They're adult. They're very sweet. If I recall yeah. correctly. Um, over the top sweet. Yeah. 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 They'll, uh, they'll make, I don't know. When I think about them, I just feel a little, I get the ick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, so, understand. I will say I, I, I feel like the chocolate orange is crossing over into the U.S. a little bit more now. Um, so keep an eye out for it around around Christmas time, uh, because the dark chocolate one is it's a it's a treat. It's very, very good. Very good. Very um, good. I it is. I, I'm, we've addressed this so many times on the show, but it, it is always insane to me that. Canada has like better snack selection than the U.S. And and like you said, they, they kind of try like different flavors and stuff like because I always thought of. Like when I lived in the U S for a little bit and I, I was like amazed by some of the flavors and stuff, but I don't know, maybe it's just like a grass is greener on the other side thing possibly. Um, cause Could I feel like the U S does spicy chips, I think much better than Canada does. I, I'll, I'll say that I would agree with Interesting. that. I mean, yeah. producer Dan, what were you, you were, what, what did you eat for dinner yesterday, Dan? I'm sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> it was a bag of the Doritos. I like that you wouldn't say, hey, Dan, what did you have for a snack yesterday? Or like, oh, you're telling me about the chips that I had eating. it for <laughs> fucking dinner. Well, that's all I ate yesterday. Was yeah. <laughs> what was it, though? You're in the garbage now. Isn't but... it like Dina, Dino Mita or something? Dina Mita? Dude, now, yeah. I wonder, I, I'm assuming they have these in the U.S. already. And then, and then Probably, they just brought yeah. them up here. They're like but, rolled up Doritos. Dina Mita. They're like tackies, I guess. Yeah. So here's the thing about spending all this time in LA and California. When you leave California, it really like alters. You realize how like trained you've become to think about um, snacks and just everyday items to eat. Because like I'll go to any other state now and I'm like, this is all so unhealthy. And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Like. I'll, you know, uh, my, my husband's uh, from North Carolina. So when I'll go that, like down there with him, I mean, I grew up in the Northeast and he's obviously from the South and um, uh, they're just the options to eat. Uh, I, I think like my family is pretty health conscious. My mom had did a stint as a personal chef when I was younger. And wow. uh, so she, yeah. I, I always was very like aware of uh, like, just like what the, the, the good and the bad um, what I would consume and then going down South and especially since living in California, I've become even more like hyper aware, but like, I don't want to be this person because like, I, I, I know how I don't want to be like a, like a nutrition elitist of any sort. Like I just try to like 
keep it pretty even you and should. healthy. I think you should. I think you should go for it. I feel like writer and nutrition elitist. <laughs> it's going in people, my Twitter people, bio. Yeah, <laughs> people are already yeah. just assuming that probably about you anyway. So you might as well just probably. lean all yeah, the way I mean, in. I'm already in the elitist uh, liberal elite <laughs> media. So I, I might True. as well just lean in harder to it. But it is amazing what you know, like what you are trained to expect to find in your like gas stations uh, snack wise, even in like California and how that differs into different in different states and i mean and, i would say yeah. vancouver is probably the la of canada right is as it? far as the, as far as that goes like it's I like it's say, like la san francisco seattle all yeah. it's it's just all the i just Portland. mean in terms of the health like mm-hmm. yes. vancouver so. is notably more like that, hey yeah we like salads for meals that's the stuff, cliche you know, very outdoors yeah, yoga yeah. sushi uh, like i yeah. didn't know i've only yeah. ever been to montreal Oh, that doesn't City. even count. Yeah, those are barely. Yeah, and, that's not uh, even Canada. <laughs> Am I right, guys? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Quebec City's great, though. I do I love, love Quebec yeah, City. Yeah, we talk mm-hmm. about our love for Quebec City on the pod quite often. Montreal's okay, too. It's not my favorite place, but it's not bad. But yeah, Vancouver definitely has that kind of West Coast breezy feel to it, you know? All right. Now, all right. I, uh, I have another uh, stupid question for you guys. Oh, here we go. And I think, John, you know what this one is. Um, oh, no, don't do this to Rachel. Well, I'm interested. I'd, I'd like to know. The, just do okay. this. Oh my God. Okay, Rachel, fine. don't even, don't even think just and the first thing that comes oh, to your no. head. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Rachel, I know you've been thinking very hard for the last <laughs> 20 minutes. So please stop that now and turn on your brain. So no, no thinking just, just right into it. Rachel, what is the opposite of corn? Limp biscuit. The, okay. <laughs> the, they're t- they're, 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 that wouldn't be the opposite. Of no, that wouldn't be the opposite. Okay, um, I, I admittedly didn't think of music at first. I thought food. So it I is was, food. No, it, it is food. It, it is, is food. Yeah, I, I was going to say hot dog. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, because we were really thinking it would be like a fruit. Yeah, right. I think most no, of the I thought, answers. I thought of meat. Like I thought of like what's like oh, the that opposite. Makes sense. What's the opposite of what stuff you grow in the ground? But and it's also like oh. a, so here. So mm. this is what. This is what was tough for me is because I sort of agree with you because the hot dog has the similar shape to corn also, yes, right? I was, I was thinking of something like barbecue, outdoorsy, summertime food yeah, related, but, but still, but not, not like a, a nutri- like a potentially nutritional item yeah. um, of uh, produce. But so here's the other thing is that, cause I was, I was thinking originally I was like, maybe it's like a banana, right? Because then it's like, <laughs> it's a color. fruit, but it's same color. But then I was like, well, if it's really the opposite, then wouldn't the shape be different? The color would be different. Like everything about it would have to be the opposite, right? Okay. Maybe meatball. See that's I, maybe that make, cause I said, I said, apple, I said, apple was the opposite of corn, like a red <laughs> apple. How, can I ask where this, where did this question come from? How, how did Rachel, you don't, it? this uh, is not a good, you don't want to try it. <laughs> don't, don't. What, like, what's the point? Why are you, so now, I'm, now I'm overthinking it. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> no, that's exactly the point. Stefan hosts a Twitch stream about video games. And then they, he started talking about the opposite. I honestly have no idea how it, how it came up. I have, I have no clue how it came up, but that's uh, what I said. That's why Stefan told you to turn your brain off, Rachel, because yes. if you keep your brain on for these kinds of things, then you go, what the fuck am I doing here? Well, no, what how is to turn my brain of off is, the, is the really the problem. <laughs> See, I'm not your target audience because my brain is never turned off. It's why I sleep so badly. But no, but no, me, 
Meat, that's meatballs. good. That's why we have to bring people like you on the show yes. because you keep us accountable. Exactly. Because otherwise, because sometimes you're, you mean you're making me do the emotional labor of holding you accountable. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's oh, what. Great. That's what this whole show is. That's why we pay our guests. Actually. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're paying you for. This oh, is like sweet. therapy. So I us. guess it's not. It's not unpaid labor. No. I forgot, no. We would never. No. We yeah. would never have unpaid. But labor. it is emotional labor. Sweet. You're correct. It is no question. Yeah. No question about meatballs. Meatballs. An interesting answer. That one is. That's an interesting one. I'm, because it's not because it's uh it's not the same shape. Obviously yeah. different color, different yeah. food group. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're like a vegetarian, you would never eat yeah. it. So there, yeah. it feels yeah. op- antagonistic in that way. It comes from an animal, the corn comes from a a plant coming up. Yeah, so I like I that's that's a very good answer. I, yeah. I still, I do still like the apple answer because. Yeah. Oh, I wonder why. I well, still like the answer I came. Up I think with. <laughs> I'm just saying. I can see. I can see the argument for both of them. John, you said pomegranate. Yeah. Which I, I see why you said it because the pomegranate has the little kernels as well. But yeah. be, because it also has the kernels, that makes it not the opposite of corn. That's something it has. But in I don't agree. Corn. But that I mean, that's not exactly how opposites work. But sure. But that's not, I'm just saying that's why it should it should be like as fully opposite as possible. So, so Rachel, that's why meatball is Rachel, a great let me answer. Co- let me color this in for you even a little <laughs> bit further. You know how how Stefan and his co-host Jesse were trying to settle this by framing it through Mario and Luigi. So well, that's, that's no, that was Jesse. That wasn't meant, me. Are they meant to be opposites? No. So, no, well, so that was the that was the whole thing. It was so I think it was that if <laughs> if if Bowser was corn. <laughs> then Mario would be an apple. <sighs> I don't know. That's literally to... what it was. Yeah. That's literally how. And then I said Luigi would be a green <laughs> apple and Jesse got really mad at me. <laughs> and I think people settled on Luigi being a pear. Obviously peach <laughs> is a peach. That makes sense. Like that, that tracks for sure. I guess toad would be a mushroom. Um, I mean, we're kind of moving off the original subject here a little bit. Um, yeah. John, what, I've been trying uh, to get us more, off of this subject for quite some time. About, the more you talk about video games, the more you've lost me because I grew up in a video game free house. I was okay. not, I was not permitted to play video games when I was growing up and I missed my window and, yeah. and I, you know, I never developed that coordination. <laughs> uh, not, no, hey, neither did I, I, I yeah. still play them a lot though. Uh, but uh, yeah, I feel like the whole podcast so far has been like things that Rachel knows nothing about. So it's just camping mesh nets mesh netting for tents but, and you know about games. you know about chips and you know about yeah. corn you've been doing great you've I mean, been doing what, very good on the corn part do you want to i can improvise yeah how can we steer in a in a direction that you would you know that you would feel like an expert in i mean you write about music do you want to get into that i mean oh, what are your yeah sure yeah, i mean we can we can talk about that too i mean uh, do you like let's okay let what is the opposite of corn the band <laughs> yes because Mm-hmm. I host a new metal podcast, so I'm a big new metal do guy. Yeah, does, I do. Yeah. yeah. It's and Rachel, the, the, PO, the POD cast with a K. Yeah. <laughs> Not, Perfect people title. <laughs> people don't usually laugh at it that much. Um, but uh, so, I, so that are shows Are you the, a fan of POD in this our year 2022? Oh, my God. I mean, you know, well. Do POD still have fans in 2022? I will say this. Listening to POD does make me feel quite alive. Oh, my God. Oh, good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, are you also a member of the Youth of the Nation? Was that one of their songs? Oh, yeah. Youth of the Nation is great. Absolutely. Was that yeah. the Actually, biggest I hit? Shouldn't, or... I shouldn't talk shit on corns. I, I have a friend in L.A. who um like hung out with, I think, the lead singer and uh, just happened to run into him and said that he was super nice. And Yeah, he has a so, very good reputation. 
yeah. uh, as far as that goes. Seems like a very kind guy. Yeah. Um, I would say that, uh, I am a, I, I still like POD. I, I have no issue with POD yeah. in the year of our Lord. John, John genuinely loves new metal. I think and youth I, I of the nation was their, I think youth of the nation was their biggest hit alive would be up there too, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those two, but what yeah. Youth of the nation. Oh, boom. That's bigger. Yeah. Boom's probably oh, the right. Yeah. yeah. Boom. Here comes the boom. Cause I it, also, that was oh, yeah. it yeah. also had the ping pong video and people loved, it was like a ping pong tournament in the video, which people love. And that song is still being used for like sports highlight uh, oh, videos on YouTube absolutely. like to this day. Absolutely. Well, I, I certainly don't. I don't mean to rip on uh, on POD. No, please but, do. Please do. I mean, <laughs> I, I, as I, as I've gotten older music wise, like, I um, have just my whole spectrum of enjoyment for like, there's just this like pattern of um, what you feel like is cool or good to listen to, or like good for lack of a better word. um, As you get older, like I I remember distinctly heading into college and like, I'm like, I'm not, I got rid of my like saves a day and, um, we found glory CDs and I was like, I'm only listening to like, um, the shins and indie rock going forward. And then, yeah. um, I went through a whole period of time where I like, barely listened to the radio. And today I'm like a pop music writer. I mean, I write, I do a pop column, the weekend pop every week on stereo gum. And, um, I love that, like that plus just my general listening habits have steered much more into like my first love, which is just pop music. And I was going to say, um, I think the opposite of Korn's probably like Britney Spears, since a lot of new metal was um, this reaction to the yeah. um, Y2K, like glossy pop boom of the late nineties and early two thousands. And uh, there were the, and, and both were on TRL, like yeah, competing, competing all the time. The yeah. That's a good answer. Well, I, I saw, so this guy who is, uh, he's been a guest on POD cast before and he calls himself a new metal historian. Uh, he's on Twitter holiday Kirk. I think I brought him up on the show before because he did a Deftones parody that I brought up, but uh, yeah, good guy, very good guy. And he's started a Twitter account that finds these like old artifacts of new metal where he'll just, you know, post like YouTube videos or pictures or whatever. And he posted one the other day that made me laugh because it was it was Kitty on the Conan O'Brien show. Um, and so, yeah, for those listeners who don't know, Kitty were a all female new metal band that are from Kingston, Ontario, randomly. Yeah, um, they were they, cool. They were super cool. And they were all like 17 when they broke. We actually yeah. had Fallon from Kitty on the POD cast uh, and talked to her. It was, yeah, amazing. Like their whole story is, is fucking incredible. But it was really funny because Conan introduced them on the show. It was like, you know, 1999 or whatever. And he's like, uh, this uh, this musical act we've got coming up for you uh, hates Britney Spears. Uh, it's kid or like they're they're not your typical Britney Spears or something. Like it was he well, I mean, invoked Britney, Britney Spears, Spears to like introduce such Kitty. Such a mold that uh, yeah. every every artist didn't matter who they were or what what genre they fell under had to be if they were popular they had to be compared to uh, Britney Spears. But I like that today Britney Spears and Kitty can exist in the same space. Like. People, I think music fans can feel comfortable enjoying both. I, I certainly and do. I do. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you gotta love Kitty and you gotta love Britney. Yeah, I would say I Spice Girls may be the opposite of Corn for me. Similar reasoning, I guess. But Britney Spears, I think, is a very 
That's well, a very I good think answer. The thing too is that, you know, people did, and then Brian and I talk about this on POD cast, people yeah. did think of corn and limp biscuit as boy bands. They were just like a different type of boy band. Yeah, which they were I'm for sure like, they loved. They loved it, but like they were the rugged boys that cool people like me. <laughs> I couldn't even say that with a straight face. I wasn't cool at all, but like, yeah, they, they definitely were seen as that kind of like boy band in the opposite way. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I think the idea of spice girls being their opposite makes sense to me in that it's like a group of five people in both cases. But then if I'm going with like the, the rules I set for the opposite of corn, the vegetable, it Brit, Britney Spears being the opposite makes more sense because it's a solo artist versus a group, which is uh, the, true. So true. I think yeah. Britney Spears is the, is the objectively correct answer here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nailed, nailed it. Wow. Okay. So there we go. We, so I feel like we've wise. gotten smarter overall throughout the course of this episode so far. Right. Rachel has agreed that she turned her brain on for us, which is yeah. important. Yeah. It's, it's always on. Cause we watched a, <laughs> we watched an episode of bar rescue right before this. That was the bonus episode we yes. were doing. And we watched some, uh, some dragons Den, which is the Canadian version of shark tank. Um, yeah. So our brains were already pretty mushy by the yeah. time we got on here. So <laughs> yeah, it's that nice. The, the first we thing we did today sort of picks things up because we do listeners will sometimes say that too, because you know, often we do have more, comedy adjacent people on the show, but I try to also book writers and stuff because I think it's interesting to have different viewpoints and listeners will say, Oh, it's so good when you have a writer on the show or whatever. And I think I'm learning now, Stefan, they're actually, <laughs> what they're actually saying is it's cool that you have smart people on the yes. show sometimes. That's <laughs> yeah. actually really cool when you do that. I like when it's not just two dumbasses talking shit all the time yeah. or, or about shit. Cause we often do end up. We talking do. Yeah. But I mean, that's what the bonus, the bonus episode was very, very stupid. Um, it was insanely stupid. Oh my God. Well, I, uh, I, I interview, um, I do some comedy, um, interviews. Like yeah. I, I do some comedy journalism for the LA times. And, um, it's been really, it's really fun because, comedians, I, I think comedians are some of the smartest people I've ever met. I mean, their whole job is to observe and, um, tell me but, more. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think of uh, writing in, in comedy as being, um, a, pretty close on just the spectrum of activity, just in how you have to observe and make, you know, uh, salient observations just just prevent presented a little bit differently and i love interviewing comedians because they're so open you know you don't have to um really pull any teeth to or twist any arms to keep using bodily metaphors like you, you don't have to convince them to talk they're happy to talk and you know yeah, because up. we're all absolute egomaniacs yes that's why we do mm -hmm. comedy so it's like oh <laughs> you want me to talk about me <laughs> okay yeah <Sounds> <laughs> You know, writers call. can writers I'm can be very anytime. similar. Writers can yeah. be very similar. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. I get, but the, see now, but Rachel, this whole thing even started because I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and then you mentioned that you like going on podcasts in theory, but then when you go on podcasts, <laughs> and I guess when you listen back to them, you're like, oh my god, I hate the sound of my voice. Truly. So maybe you're. Truly. So maybe it's not as ego driven for in your case anyway. Well, it's a comfort thing. I feel most comfortable presenting my thoughts in writing because sure. I'm just the kind of person who thinks while they speak. And sometimes that can take a lot of detours. It's not always that concise for me. And um, 
my husband recently told me, oh, you're a very concise speaker. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, but, <laughs> but thank you for saying, you know, thanks for always like cheerleading me. Um, everyone should have that, but here, that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, you, you know, it's the ADD brain getting like swinging from vine to vine on the con on the conversation jungle. Um, and I just think like, I'm always editing myself. So I want to, you know, present my thoughts as cleanly as possible. And the way I feel like I can do that best is in writing, but then, you know, part of being a writer is like, well, you have to like build your personal brand and you have to get out there and, you know, podcasts, podcasts, podcasts. And that's right. A lot of um, people say going on block party, huge boost to your personal <laughs> brand. <laughs> I mean, it, you joke, but like people do get like a, a because our listeners are very nice. True. And and they will, you know, you, you get like a, a following boost on on your Twitter or Instagram or or whatever. So, and our, and like I said, our listeners are are they're weird, but they're 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 nice, right, John? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're they're all without exception nice people. Now they're not I like love. they're not like um like Taylor Swift fans, which we don't have to get into, but I've, I've heard that for everyone's safety, we probably shouldn't get yeah, into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, cause we always, yeah. Like I said that, you know, you had maybe mentioned that you've, you know, you've had some run-ins with, with Swifties online and you didn't want to necessarily make that your block or whatever. Cause you didn't want them to come after you again. And then Stefan was like, yeah, I don't want them to come after me either. I was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's actually probably a good point. Cause we, cause we're definitely, Stefan and I are many things. Uh, one of the things we are definitely not is equipped to deal with <laughs> Taylor Swift fans. At least I don't think anyway. Yeah. Or like K-pop fans or anything like that. Oh, so oof. yeah. I'll say K-pop fans are some of the nicest people, some of the nicest fans that I've mm. seen um, in my travels online. Yeah. yeah. You just don't want to get on their, on their bad side, obviously. If, I, yeah, if I, mean, I wouldn't, it. I wouldn't know. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Smart. But there, there's a lot of, just good vibes, like coming, yeah. emanating. And I, and again, don't want to get too into it. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I will say for the record that I love Taylor Swift. And so I love do we. And I love so do we. Yeah. I went to see, I saw Taylor on the 1989 tour. Look, I'm not amazing. Amazing. It was so good. It was such a fun show. Um, yeah, no, I liked Taylor. I wasn't trying to get anybody in any trouble. I was just I'm just saying. Anyway, speaking of getting into trouble, let's move on to our social media updates. What a good segue. Boy, was it smooth. Stefan and John are going to bring you the news. Prepare for a feast of rarefied takes. Terrible tweets from verified greats. They'll bring their personal feed to you with an update on their social, social, social media. Rachel, we always start with the guest. What's going on on your social media? Okay. So I, I thought very hard, as I do, about what my answer to this prompt would be. And um, I saw, like, around my feed this week, um, there's a new Nerf brand. Oh. Or, like, like a new Nerf. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, like, what is it? Like, mascot? a mascot? mascot. Yeah, thank yeah. you. A mascot? I was going to say yeah. icon, but it's not icon. Um, <laughs> I mean, it might be. <laughs> he too. is an icon, I think. He is an yeah. icon. Murph is an icon. But Murph the Nerf. Murph is his catchphrase he look he well first of all he looks like um a koosh ball do you remember those mm -hmm. yes he looks like a koosh ball but are you like, kidding rachel don't act like i didn't watch every episode of the rosie o'donnell show <laughs> are you kidding me? And, but it's like a koosh ball with like arms and a torso and legs yeah. um 
it, or like a like a toilet scrubby brush. That's yeah. kind of what it looks mm, like. Um, yes, but like yes. multicolored toilet scrubby brush, but without a face. So like he could he could look like anything underneath um the those those bristles. Yeah. And I'm I'm afraid to know what is under there. Um, I would love be- to see a shaved version of, of the <laughs> yeah, mascot. I, I feel yeah. like we're not that far away. That feels like that'll be next week's internet thing. Like, what would Murph look like if he was shaved? Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. It, but <laughs> yeah. it is nice to get a, a kind of a crazy, every so often a mascot will get revealed and people go nuts yeah. for it. Because the other one I think of is, have you guys seen the AMPM mascot? That's like the big no. monster made out of uh, candy and food. No, I don't think so. No. It's, it's called... Uh, Dan, can you look this up and bring this up on the on the screen here for us? It's called uh, Tomgis. Tomgis. T O O M G I S. What uh, is that? Is that like an acronym for I something? Or I where did they come I, up with Tomgis? I do not know. It says some say this is on the AMPM website. Some say sure. Tomgis fell to earth from snack heaven, but that's just hearsay. What we do know is Tomgis is oh. It's, I think it stands for too much good stuff, sort of. Oh, it's like a. That's even that's worse than I. So there's imagined. there's Tomgus right there. Holy I can fuck. I can just make him out. Is his face made of a waffle? It's made of Cheetos, I think, is the beard. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a he's a friendly, gentle oh, yeah, giant Cheetos. made of oh, hundreds of God. different foods and drinks and thirty five kinds of generosity and kindness. And he has Twizzlers for hair. Uh, looks like cinnamon rolls for hands. He's got potato some, chips for like a dress kind of thing. Yeah. Um, obviously like, or like, like skirt pop cans and, and bags of chips and hot dogs. And this thing is nuts. This looks like, uh, this looks like, like, uh, an old cover of a children's book, like Hansel yes. and Gretel would have this on the yeah. cover of it. <laughs> but this is this to me, when I saw the Nerf mascot, this was the first thing that I, I thought of. Cause I feel like there's they're related they're like cousins or something probably right. Right. why you went there i mean my first thought was gritty yeah gritty oh, yeah. for me too for sure. my yeah. first thought, i think yeah. that was probably most people's first thought was gritty yeah. but um but I, the see, nerf I mascot prefer, i prefer tungus tungus or tungus i think Toomb. it's tungus i prefer tungus because yeah. you can like see his face or her I, face i was gonna say face. with with the nerf mascot i'm just looking at the nerf mascot again there's no facial features or anything no it's just yeah. it's it looks like it's the same like koosh ball material in front yeah. as in back and and there's something very scary about not having the face. It's like it's like Slenderman, right? It is a little. It is much scarier because, like, I think if he had like kind of a like googly eyes or something, it would seem a bit more like fun and like pleasant. But because he's just this this figure, you don't know how he's feeling about anything. He's holding. I know they're Nerf guns, but he is still holding like a rifle or like, like <laughs> pistols as well. So he's got weapons, and it's just I'm like I'm just looking at the like the poses they've put him in as well. It's really. It is very, and he's wearing shoes in some of the pictures too, which is kind of weird. He's wearing like, uh, like skate shoes. Um, but I mean, I, I I tweeted this. It looks like, uh, someone that Maury would bring out if someone was scared of shag carpet. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, Oh, this shag carpet, man. And then the guy comes out like, woo. And the person's like, get out of the way from me. Cause Uh, I guess he's, he's made of the nerf darts. Right. But it, it, it looks it doesn't look like Nerf darts, right? Because it, it does look like, as John says, like like shag carpet. It's very. It does. Um, <sighs> someone someone shared a picture of creepy pasta, which definitely tracks. Yeah. Um, I'm all, I'm also now reminded of Pinhead. Yes. A little mm. bit. 
Yeah. Who always scared the crap out of me. So um, never saw Hellraiser for that reason, even though I'm I'm sure it, it, I've seen so many. It's a good um, movie. It is scary, yeah. but it, it is, it's a good movie. Um, the, yeah, I'm just wow. The yeah, I'm I'm just scrolling through all the. Just I think it's it's weird seeing him. I think it's one thing if he's just like standing still, but they've done all these <laughs> poses where he's like running at full speed, and I think that's what makes it even creepier. Is that it feels like he's like running towards you, right? If he was just like sitting in a chair or something. Or like, again, if he was like a sports mascot and he's like, he's like holding a hockey stick or something. Right. I think that's one thing, but, but seeing him like running full tilt is sort of disturbing and I don't know how to explain it, but I don't yeah. know what's more disturbing seeing him without clothes or with clothes. Yeah. Cause he has like the, there's one where he's got like the tank top on, right? Yeah. That, that, that's the first image of him that I saw. I think and the, shoes. I think the tank top and shoes make him look less scary. He looks more ridiculous that way. True. <laughs> That's but when true. when he, when it's just him with the gun and he's he's like sprinting full speed, that's the scary one for sure. He I'm only interested like in nude shaved Murph. That's the only <laughs> Murph version I want. Oh, he boy. just looks like he's gonna like once he catches you, he's gonna absorb you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It almost does have that kind of like mop sort of feel to it yeah. as well. Yeah. The thing that doesn't quite compute to me either is I just don't feel like Nerf needs like a mascot. Like no kids know what Nerf is. They you know, when you grow up, you're like, yeah, I want a Nerf gun. You're just like, I want that. I don't know, even really know what it is, but I want it. They don't need like, you know, my five-year-old nephew is not going to see Murph and then be like, oh, I need a Nerf gun. He's going to see his neighbor pelting him with Nerf <laughs> bullets and be like, mom, I need a Nerf gun so I can fuck up my neighbor. Like yeah. that's so it's, it just seems like a weird thing designed to get the internet's attention, but the, but adults don't use Nerf products really, and kids are going to want them anyway. I don't know. It just, yeah, the whole was, thing's very strange. I was confused because as far as I know, Nerf, the, the brand doesn't have teams. Why do they need a mascot if there are no teams involved? It's, this could just it, be my limited understanding of sports. It got us. It got us talking about Nerf. So I think. I think. Yeah, I think uh, that's more what they it did is. their job. But yeah. uh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought Murph up because. Yeah. I've been thinking yeah. about him a lot. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Stefan, what's um, going on on your social media? Well, so this is this is a guy I think we've talked about before. This is um, Jerry Saltz. Oh believe, yeah, he's the the he's guy like art, who buys a bunch of coffee all at once. Yeah, so he's like an art critic. Uh, I think. And Cause what was that thing again? Sorry. Like he, yeah. he buy, he bought, like he buys this week's worth of coffee. He on would go Monday. to, he would go to seven 11 at the start of the week and he would buy like two dozen cups of coffee and like, in like the, like disposable cups, right. at, like that you get at like seven 11 and he'd fill them all up, put them in the trunk of his car and then put them in his fridge for the rest of the week, which is and like heat them up in the morning on Tuesday yes, or whatever, which is, Absolutely insane. Insane. I, I I will never ever understand it. It's very strange. Yeah. So so you know this is at the start of the. I think it was at the start of the pandemic. I think he's been doing it since before then. But he was doing it during the pandemic and posting about it. But he says commencing yeah. day sixteen of sheltering in place. Coffee run to gas station complete. Eighteen large to go. Put in car. Drive them home. Decontaminated, showered, and placed in fridge for use. Uh, stay safe out there, outlaws and creative gypsies. Um, but don't care for that sign off. Yeah. So he's, he's a weird guy. He follows me on Twitter too, for some reason. Um, I don't know why. Um, although he, he blocked our friend Jesse for kind of calling him out on, <laughs> on his coffee consumption. Um, but recently this week, he's kind of back, uh, on my timeline. 
And it's because, and I, you know what, more power to him. He has, he has attempted to learn how to make coffee at home, you know, uh, good for him. It's, it's never too late to learn something new. True. Um, however, he's like 70 or something. He's right? 71. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, however, he has, he has failed to learn how to make coffee, <laughs> which making coffee is, it's quite simple. It's very easy to do. I would say, there's, uh, the, there's a man joke in there somewhere. Like, it's, oh, just, just like a man. It, but no. it's, yeah. it, he's just, it's, it, it is, he's very helpless, I guess, but it's, it's not making coffee is very, very easy. Um, you have the coffee machine, you're using a French press, whatever you're using. It's pretty straightforward stuff. And also you can just like look it up online, how to do it, or look at the instructions that come with the coffee machine you just bought. Anyway, he posted a, a few days ago, real question, no joke. I'm going to teach myself to make coffee. Explain this as if I were nine. How many spoonfuls of the coffee would I put in if I wanted to make eight cups? Keep it simple, really simple. Do not recommend any other coffees or methods. I am 71, it is time. And then a picture of uh, some, some coffee beans and a coffee machine and coffee filters. Um, so he, he then, you know, uh, someone was asking him how he was doing and he, and he replied and said, still not working, but trying. Thank you. These are from our gas station, Sai. And it's a picture of, so he's still doing it. There's four gas station cups of coffee in his fridge. Um, I just can't imagine how bad that coffee, gas station coffee on a good day is not great coffee. How bad is that coffee going to be five days from now after being in your fridge and you like reheat it? Like it's going to be just the worst coffee in the world, right? Um, unfortunately, uh, a, a day or two later, uh, Jerry says, dear everyone who's trying to tell me how to make coffee. Well, no one told me where to pour the water into my coffee machine. I poured eight <laughs> cups of water directly over the grounds. It overflowed oh, all over my kitchen floor no. and there are grounds everywhere. Okay. That, now I think he's just being intentionally obtuse. That's, that's what I'm starting to think because you, again, just look at the instructions. I think he is doing it to piss people off and, and it's working. Uh, so good for him. Uh, and then after that, he said, uh, this is today. Boom. I fixed my coffee making problem. Went back to gas station and deli coffee bought night before placed in fridge, uh, poured into two iced coffee, double gulps in American cups. We bought in 2014 and metal straw. Uh, so uh, he's putting all the coffee into one cup now rather than have <laughs> several cups in his fridge. So, you know, baby steps. I wonder if he like, we could just get him one of those, uh, those like water jugs that have the different lines on them oh, that, yeah. that like cheer you on while you yeah. drink it over That's, the course yes. of the day. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of stay hydrated, but for drinking coffee, drinking gas station coffee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I sympathize with him to an extent because I am someone who never really learned how to cook. I just have a mental block around it. Don't right. like to do it. And, um, my husband handles all the cooking in our household as well as the coffee making. That being said, um, even before I was with him, I could make like the most basic items to eat. I could sure. definitely make coffee. These were just vital. Like, I don't feel like I ever had the privilege of there. There's like a privilege in there somewhere. You're just like never learning how to make yeah. coffee in it's, a coffee maker. The the weird thing to me is I, I don't know if he's in he's in New York or LA. Like he's in a big city. Um and maybe, you know, to each to each your own, maybe he just likes shitty coffee. But likely like, New York. Yeah, yeah. I see he is in New York. I, okay. that that that's a little bit more understandable. There's like some kind of like up like upper upper west side, like kind of like highbrow intellectual Nora Ephron thing. I, okay. I I would think like I feel I could picture like Fran Lebowitz doing something similar. 
Right. Just having kind of a block around something that you would do at home normally, but like going out, outsourcing it instead because it's just that easy to get. It's just insane to me that he wouldn't buy like good coffee. Good coffee, yeah. Yeah. Like if if he went and bought, if he went to like a nice coffee shop and got like a dozen cups of like really good coffee and put that in the fridge, okay, still completely weird weird and insane but at least it's like good coffee but again i think this is probably just he's always had this 7-eleven coffee and it's his favorite coffee whatever very very strange i'm I'm looking forward to more updates from jerry uh and i'm looking forward to an update from john john how was that for a segue within the segment honestly one of your best maybe your best ever incredibly good i i actually have two is that okay i'm gonna do two this week yeah the first one is just very brief i saw it on facebook today And it was just a reply on Facebook that made me laugh. Well, the post itself is also a little bit off kilter, but the reply made me very, made me very happy. Okay. My friend wrote, "Uh, I just found a rat in my neighborhood that seems to be a pet that was released. Very comfy in hands, super dehydrated. Anybody looking for a pet? I can't look after him and don't want to release him because he's clearly struggling. This isn't how we grew up. Please come get him if you want a sweet pet. He's all about being held. We'll obviously need a vet checkup or I fear he won't be long for this world. And then the the highlighted or the like most recent comment was just DM me with your location. <laughs> all right. So I don't know why it was just like, it just made me laugh where it, it, I think the first thing my mind went to was um, this person was like, maybe it's my rat. Like you need to tell me your location right now so I can come collect my rat. Um, but it just, yeah, really, it was a real, like, sometimes I'm like, ah, maybe I should get rid of Facebook. And then something like that comes up and I'm like, yeah, I can never, I can never (laughs) leave here. Uh, but then my main social media update this week. And I think again, it's something that a lot of people saw this week, uh, an insanely unhinged and very stupid tweet from Tim Allen. Tim Allen had a great week on Twitter this week. Uh, I'll read the tweet verbatim took some kids to Disneyland and overheard a 13 year old boy wondering if he may be pansexual since he loves skillets. Ah, okay. I see the, okay. Yeah. Tim Allen's, he's yeah, go ahead, John. Well, so I just quote tweeted it and all I wrote was took some kids to Disneyland because that is one of the most unhinged joke setups you could ever have. Yeah. Took some kids to Disneyland. And then I like, there was some guy in my replies trying to explain why he wrote the joke that way. And I was like, fuck you, man. What was the explanation? So the explanation was, and here I'll go find it because it's really pathetic, but it got 24 (laughs) likes for some reason. The guy wrote, took my kids to Disneyland. No, they're grown up. Doesn't work. I was at Disneyland. No. Why would I be at a kid's theme park by myself? Took some kids to Disneyland. Bingo. What? Yeah, but that's still the weird thing is that he's just taking some kids. Does he exactly not? like okay. what is that even? I just took some kids to Disneyland. Like my whole point is this is clearly a fake premise. You well, of course. Well, obviously. Kids to Disney. Obviously. Yes. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't you just say like I was at a restaurant and I overheard a kid say this or what? If that's the way. you Well, I think because show. he wants to lean into the whole like Disney thing, how people are mad that Tim Allen is not playing. Oh, I, mean, I see. I, I see. don't even I, I had to. It's so it's very, very, very. It's just very stupid. It's, uh, I guess they want him to play. I mean, ugh, I mean, you talk about manufactured conflict. Like, I just can't, I'm not even going to talk about it. I don't even want to like dive into it. It's so <laughs> dumb. I'm so mad that I like had to read about it. I didn't have to read about it, but it showed up on my timeline. Um, anyway, 
Uh, like have you guys in, seen in theaters his, uh, Go check it out. His his Twitter bio is hilarious. Santa, Buzz Lightyear, the Tool Man, yeah. Mike Baxter. Hey, I'm still that wisecracking kid from the Midwest looking for answers to life's big questions. <laughs> okay, that's it's pretty deep. Oh, oh boy. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really yeah. it's just a really bad joke i feel it's like he a, does well, the that joke is so bad too. Yes. like and, and that's the thing is like i've gotten into this with people on twitter before um like when talking about you know joke writing and stuff like that is you know because people are like oh this is so hack from tim allen and it's like it would be if i believed like tim allen believes he came up with this joke and that's the thing like people often don't get that it's like when you become such a famous comedian and you're more of an actor than you are a comedian for the last 30 years of your life or whatever, you totally lose touch with earth. Like Tim Allen doesn't live on the same earth that you and I live on. Tim Allen is not going to an open mic because people will be like, Oh, this is an open mic level joke. I hear open micers making this joke every week. It's like, yeah, because you go to open mics. You think Tim Allen goes to a fucking open mic? Not a chance in hell. Tim Allen, if he does stand up, it's being written 95% by someone else. He's paying some comedian. He goes to one open mic and finds the best comedian there and gets him to write all his jokes. That's number one. And then number two is, yeah, it's just like they have no concept of what is hack. I think we went over this with the Jeff Foxworthy. It's thing. the same thing. It was yeah, the exactly. exact same thing. It's like he doesn't traffic in earth. So no. it's not hack because he's not looking hack, at the replies. He's someone else is posting that on his behalf and he's just, he's yeah. just sitting at home or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Tim, Allen. I, I think, I think it's too bad when uh, really any artist kind of shows how they've, they've stopped evolving ages ago. I mean, I think people generally sometimes are uh, at risk of once they hit a certain age, it's just like, that's it for their growth and evolution. And uh, I think you, know, you see that a lot everywhere, but definitely like the most out there examples, you know, some recent comedy examples for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Because it's, it's you, you can't divorce yourself from it. You're just, you're the person saying it into the microphone. There's nothing, you can't hide it. It's just like, oh yeah, this is what you think comedy is now, or this is what you want to be representative of you. And uh, yeah, it's sad. Speaking of sad things, let's move on to our block tale. What did you tweet? You brought receipts, Blocktail. Woo! No longer can see the post. It's a Blocktail. Woo! You probably deserved it. It's a Blocktail. All right, Rachel, I'm excited for this one. Uh, you told me about it, and I it feels like a really insane story. So lay it on us. All right, well... Um... When I graduated from college, um, I wanted to be a writer and I'd had some experience, but most of my internship experience had been in um, radio and radio wasn't going to work out for me. Um, the, the place I'd interned, uh, they were going through a lot of structural changes. No one was hiring. So I kind of returned to my first dream of being a news journalist, really. And so I needed an internship as one does. Um, in this, you know, crazy, shitty media landscape, or uh, that's a whole other rant. But um, I took an internship at um, this this events company. Well, they they published newsletters of events uh, happening around different cities, and 
Uh, I kind of endeared myself to the music editor because I really wanted um, music related assignments and write ups, uh, and I, I really any experience in, that I could get in that arena. And so, over the course of the summer, uh, the music edit- editor and I were in pretty close contact. Um, we, you know, we we would chat on the, um, you know, the company used AIM. You know, that might be kind of a dated reference at this yeah. point, but we, we use uh, AIM just to, you know, talk about work and stuff, you know, before they were Slack. And um, we, you know, had a lot in common. He and I, we developed sort of a, a relationship, friendship, if you will. And it, it developed into a romantic relationship. Um, I hadn't been in very many serious relationships at, at that point, I was 21 at the time, and uh, there, you, there was definitely a power imbalance. Um, and um, the long, the long and the short of the story is that he, I ended up having to block him after our relationship took place, and then ended about a year and a half later. Uh, we moved across the country together after entering into the relationship. Um, he was let go from his job at the time because it was the 2008-2009 recession. Everyone was getting fired. He got another job um, in Berkeley. I went with him, um, some, something that I would change if I could, but <laughs> given how it all turned out. But, but essentially, um, this is, you know, I think about this still because I, I, I read a lot of celebrity news, right? And the last over the last few months, we've kind of seen play out in real time, like Kim Kardashian leaving Kanye West and what that's been like and all of the grand gestures that he will do publicly to kind of win her back, you know, get a house across from her in the same neighborhood and uh, just be, you know, clearly she wants to move on and he, um, you know, every time he does something big and grand, that or writes a song about her current boyfriend Pete Davidson or just just does something very very out there I am reminded of why it sucks to break up with a narcissist (laughs) (laughs) um I didn't know very much about what that meant when I was 21 but when I um you know when my relationship at the time didn't work out you know I, I realized a lot of things and you know, one of those things being that, oh, um, he's a little bit, a little bit violent, you know, when he's had, uh, you know, too much to drink, he can, you know, he's definitely exhibits a lot of, uh, narcissism on a daily basis, a very controlling sort of person. And I was very inexperienced at the time, but I knew that, you know, this is really wrong and I don't want to be here. And I, you know, I hate living in San Francisco and I'm miserable and this isn't where I want to be. And so, uh, you know, I moved back to New Jersey and with my parents at the time and uh, stayed there for about three months and then found an apartment with a roommate in Brooklyn and kind of just started all over again. But um, this whole time, you know, my, my ex, it's like, it was like, anytime I spoke to him, it would just be like getting caught in a glue trap. Like, like I was a mouse and I was caught in one of those glue traps where you have to like, like chew your own foot off just to get out. Uh, and just anytime I would speak to him, he had a way of just sort of drawing me in for hours, any form of communication that we would have. And 
It could be text. It could be uh, Gchat at the time. It could be like Facebook message. This is like circa around 2010. And um, it took a very long time for me to really set the boundary and say, hey, like, I, I wish we could have the kind of relationship where we are in contact sometimes, like that arm's length type of relationship that you develop with an ex if you're lucky, but yeah. this isn't going to be a possibility with you. Um, I learned maybe like over the course of the next two, three, four years that, oh, we, we can't have any communication whatsoever because, if, you know, he would find out information of like anything about me, someone I was dating, something I was doing, something, uh, something that I was up to like work-wise and have to contact me and tell me what he thought about it. And then that would lead to like a whole, you know, two to three hour discussion. And, uh, I was just, it was just a lesson in boundaries. And so, you know, one day I just, I blocked him on Facebook and then I blocked him on Twitter and I blocked him on Instagram once that became a thing. And every so often in the 12 or so years since then, he, I'll see that like some account that sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't recognize it. If, if I, you know, these days I don't pay super close attention to who's following me anymore because my follower count has grown somewhat in the last 10 years. Yeah. But um, in previous years, you know, I might see an account that I didn't recognize following me like on Twitter or something and realize, oh, that's, that's him but under like a different alias or like his business account or something. And then I'd have to kind of like start searching. I'd start Googling and looking for like every uh, related account. Um, like it could be even as random as LinkedIn and just block it. Um, so I've like created this like just wall. And this is, this is like 12, 13 years later now at this point. And um, I still you know, I don't think about him super often because this was a long time ago, but this is someone who will never be allowed back in my life uh, because it's just that, it, you know, I've seen too often that if he is allowed back in my life, then um, it's going to become a huge issue for me on the daily, on like a daily basis. And I, you know, I, I don't have that kind of, uh, I didn't have, I, I gave a lot of my self to him then, um, my time and my energy, but I don't have that kind of availability at all today. Right. Um, yeah. so that's, that's my story. It's a lesson in, um, setting boundaries, recognizing, uh, narcissistic behavior and how that can affect you when you're a very trusting person. I'm a very trusting person. Generally, I was probably much more so when I was 21, um, very, you know, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, excited about everything, very enthusiastic. I've always been a very enthusiastic person about the things that I like, and um, that can be taken advantage of when you're, you know, just that way. And um, yeah, yeah. So you, so he's still doing this, or like it's been recent where he's still like making new accounts and following you. I think the most recent was maybe in like 2018. Uh, okay. I, remember, I mean, that's still crazy. That's yeah. like 10 years after. Yeah, that's I, I remember this pretty specifically because I, I was at work at the time. Uh, I was working at CBS Interactive in uh, Burbank, and I was just like on my Twitter and I saw a name you know, following me and every now and then I'll like hover over those 
you know, account names to say, oh, who, you know, because I'm someone who really likes to pay it forward and like follow people that I admire if they follow me and like forge new relationships online, whatever. So I was just looking and and I, I saw this account name that was the name of his business. Technically, he does run a business um, uh, across the country that I'm aware of. And I saw that his business account was following me on Twitter. And I was like, oh, hell no, this is not happening. And so um, blocked him, blocked him, you know, found that account on Instagram, blocked it there, found his the same account on LinkedIn, blocked that there too. Um, and ever since then, I'm just like pretty hypervigilant about my online activity because I just, I mean, he's going to see what I'm doing because I do have a, a pretty active byline on a number of um, publications, Stereogum in particular. And um, he is a, you know, music industry person. So he Right. will probably be aware of my byline there if he reads that site. But um, he you know, doesn't get to look at like my Instagram grid because uh, my, my grid is not actually private. Um, but, to, you know, I he does not get to see it yeah. uh, un, unless, you know, he has like a burner account, which who knows. But um, it's not something that I concern myself much with anymore. But I went through a, a period of time specifically when I lived in New York after that breakup where I was just like convinced this guy is going to find my apartment. He's going to like show up at my doorstep. Um, cause he went through a lot of like tragic personal stuff of his own, um, that, you know, it, it made me feel sympathetic towards him at the time. I want to check on him, see how he's doing because, you know, he suffered a pretty major accident. Uh, and that, you know, that was hard to ignore because, you know, as a, just a human being, someone that you've been with, you just yeah. want to know that they're okay. But this, this took like a full decade to really like just completely remove right. myself from, and, you know, and, and also like some willpower to keep that wall up to this day, because, um, you know, I, I don't think that someone with who exhibits narcissistic behavior like that can change in the way that, you know, the other person on the receiving end of that behavior would need. Right. Well, the one good thing is if they're not rich, they can't just like buy an apartment across the street from yours. So at least you have that going, at least you have that going for you. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's wild. I mean, I don't think Stefan, we've ever had a, a block tail that, uh, like that's taken place over such a long period no, of time, like over a decade. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, not at uh, all. you're setting, well, you're setting a, a, a precedent here, Rachel. It's wonderful. Oh, wow. um, um, I mean, not that what you went through was wonderful. No, but, no, like, I, I, I don't think that my story is that is uh, all that unusual actually. No, like I, yeah. you know, I, I, I do know. I mean, I could tell like when you invited me to do the podcast that like probably a lot of people who come on might have like a funny story about like what the time Jeff Goldblum blocked them or something, yeah, something like that. But um, I don't have many stories like that or really any. Well, it's just you're um, too nice and smart. <laughs> That's the problem. Been, if I've been blocked by anybody, I'm not aware of it. Um, I have right. blocked maybe a few um you know, people coming at me from, you know, something I disagreed with, with my writing. And I just wanted it to die down and not, you know, pay attention to it. But yeah. this is definitely an ongoing block that has just had to to stay. Um, yeah. Like not knowing yeah. who's blocked you is like, that's like healthy and normal. So you should yeah, feel, that's really you should good, feel good yeah. about that. Well, it's like I said to you before <laughs> the show too, it, it does seem to be in some way gendered that, you know, for, for women or for identifying women or whatever, it, it, mm -hmm. it can be a very you know, like the blocks when we have, usually when we have just like stupid guys on, they're just like, oh yeah, you know, I told KFC that 
their chicken tasted like butthole and then they blocked me or whatever, you know, and then women, it's always some, it's always some, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a comedian and this guy followed me home after a show one time and then started writing me messages every single day on Instagram, you know, and you're just like, oh man. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of being like followed and approached literally and digitally um, when you go through life as a a woman or a a person identifying as a woman. And um, when I lived in New York, I certainly got literally followed and uh, I had so many conversations with um, just friends, female friends who have similar stories to mine. And uh, I remember I really bonded with a friend who was a few years older than me back in New York, and she had been married. And luckily, I didn't marry this person, but um, she'd been married to someone who was very had a very similar narcissistic personality um, as my ex did. And we really bonded hard over just like the trauma it took to to remove ourselves from those situations and. Like, uh, you know, it's, it, it's still, and, you know, actually when I met my husband, um, we bonded over the, uh, having a similar trauma. Um, right. and cause like he had been so, something similar and we like, you know, it was a bonding experience for both of us. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's just too bad that you, <laughs> you have to, uh, you know, even every day I get like messages and, and stuff. Like it's, it's just, this like occupational hazard that like, you're going to get like approached and yeah, you know, but luckily I, I think, I think we're developing a language to deal with this, talk about it. I, I think that language around narcissism is so much more like developed and understood today than it ever was. Like when I was going through this, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I thought I was losing my mind. And I, I kind of let him call a lot of the shots when we first got together because he was older than I was. He had much more relationship experience. He was established in a way that I wasn't yet and wanted to be. So I let him kind of leave the charge and that set a bit of a precedent, I think, for the outcome of our relationship. And it, you know, it took a lot of inner strength and just kind of like breaking away, like mental, just gymnastics, but strengthening definitely to like set my boundaries. And, you know, today I'm much stronger for it, but you know, it was a learning lesson for sure. Yeah. Love it. It's a block tail with a moral. Don't often have those. <laughs> yeah. on the show I either. mean, I it's, always try to like, I'm a writer, you know, you have to no, have like, it's, the, the, the story arc. It's wonderful. Yeah. Like I said, you might be the smartest person we've ever had on the show, <laughs> but speaking of the stupid people that listen to the show, <laughs> Uh, this block tale, this listener block comes in from Clown Malenko uh, okay. at Clown Malenko on Twitter. Uh, they accidentally started a literal block party courtesy of Glenn Greenwald. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Glenn Greenwald, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who is now entirely too online, got really mad when I replied to a tweet of his endorsing a candidate backed by Peter Thiel, a literal vampire venture capital guy, reminding Glenn that he wrote an article about billionaires shaping the opinions on the platforms they own and that Peter Thiel owns Rumble, which is a, quote, free speech alternative to YouTube that employs Glenn. And here's the exact Twitter exchange. Clown Malenko says, you just wrote about how ownership ultimately shapes the perspectives being published. You can't even keep your grifts straight. It's sad to see you turn into an absolute hack. Glenn Greenwald replied, Peter Thiel isn't the owner of Rumble, you fucking idiot. 
And then Clown Malenko replied, he is a partial owner and is heavily invested in it, you absolute melt. No one is buying your <laughs> bullshit anymore, Glenn. You overplayed your hand and most everyone can see through your sad attempt at obfuscation. And so then Glenn got extremely mad because then other people agreed with Clown Malenko and they ended up starting an actual block party where it looks like Glenn blocked at least a dozen accounts. <laughs> um, and then it got to the point where multiple people were just simply asking Glenn if he could block them. Oddly enough, I was one of the last ones blocked and no one was more rude than Glenn, who was just getting owned for being a hypocrite over and over. Anyway, big time fan of the show, boys. Thanks for all the laughs. Cheers, Clown Malenko. Uh, so, yeah, there yeah, you go. I love just calling a, someone a melt. I feel melt like is a great one. You yeah. absolute melt. That's a really good my, one. So, yeah. I think my, my favorite random name for that's just to call someone is a haircut. Oh, Ooh. that's good. That is good. Yeah, too. Especially if they have a bad hair. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's really good. I love yeah. that. Um, if you want to send in a listener block, and I'll tell you this right now, we are actually getting pretty close to the end of our listener block emails. So wow. if you have one and you've been thinking like, oh, there's no point in sending it in because they're never going to read it on the show. Uh, we're getting close. I mean, we still have quite a few, but we would love some more. So if you're listening to this and you got a great block story, send it to us at blocked at blockedparty.com, or you can fill out the form on our website. If you want to donate to the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash block party. $5 a month gets you access to three bonus episodes every single month. We just put out a mailbag episode yesterday with our good friend, producer Dan. He's right there having a nap. It's beautiful. <laughs> I just woke him up by saying his name. Uh, but yeah, Dan is on the show. We're answering your listener questions. We also have an exclusive bourgeoisie, a party episode coming out this week for $8 and above donors. Uh, it's a, video episode we're watching some dragon's den bar rescue with our friend dan o'sullivan uh so yeah check all that out over at patreon uh we also have a challenge going on right now the gibbets challenge uh where stefan and i uh want you to send us the worst crocs charms otherwise known as gibbets that Ugh. you can find send i them still to have our... to buy my crocs don't i yes you do send them to our po box uh we will then run a tournament to determine the worst gibbet the person who sends the worst one in will receive a BP merch prize pack and a hand-selected pair of Crocs from myself and Stefan. All the rules are on our Twitter. If you're in our Discord, our PO box is there. But if you're not in our Discord, just DM us on Twitter. We'll send you the PO box. Uh, can't wait to get that one going. Can't wait to wear horrible shit on my feet uh, for however long. That's the thing also. You can donate to Waveaw. And however much you donate, Stefan and I will be forced to wear the gibbets no. for a certain amount of time. I mean, unless they're like a Confederate flag gibbet, in which case we're not. Please don't get them. us those. Don't. Yeah. yeah so oh get, yeah, as long as they're like appropriate to wear, but yes. horrible, then we'll wear them. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Block Party Pod. If you like the show, tell a friend. Rachel, we are here at the end of the show. We always like to finish off the show with a top three. Three, two, one. Trois, deux, un. Uno, 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 um, the Kate Bush Stranger Things phenomenon currently ongoing, but laddering it up to how old music may or may not be taking over new music. And um, without getting too far down that rabbit hole, uh, I just started to think about 
80s musical acts that I love and my t- what my top three are. Kate Bush is on that list. I'm a longtime Kate Bush fan. You can maybe see my background. I I'm saw, I noticed that. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's not anything to do with this week of Stranger Things. It's just been living there for the last six months. And so your top three is top three 80s acts? Top three 80s acts. So okay. it can be an artist or a band. So okay. I'm leaving so it very. You can, we'll start with your number three. My number three is probably The Cure. Okay. Um, Little emo, little emo. uh, I'm a little emo. I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm pretty emo. Um, Yeah, you and me both. (laughs) Kate Bush. And then number one, um, I'll give you a lot of... Don't speed through it. Don't speed through it. We go one by one. Okay, okay, okay. So we got your number three, and then you can tell us more about your number two in a second. Stefan, you're going to give your number three. Oh, 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 oh. It's Uh, all good. No problem. I got to think this through here. One sec. Uh, John, why why don't you go, John? Oh, really? You always go before me. Yeah. Uh, Top three 80s musical acts. Okay. Number three, I will say, um, I mean, this is a great question. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good answers here. Um, I'm going to go with, cause I know what my number one is. So I'm going to, I got to try to work back from there. Uh, let's say my number three, cause I think the problem for me is I'm more like a, more like an, actually, no, you know what? I got it. Number three, U2, just their exclusive 80 to 90 run. I don't, okay. there's some U2 songs I like after. Solid. I know people don't necessarily think of U2 as a quote unquote 80s band, um, but their musical output from 80 to 90. I mean, I guess Boy came out in 79, but that that musical output, incredible. So yeah, I'll say U2. I don't hate it. I don't Thank hate you. it. Thank you. Uh, Stefan, you're number three. Um, I'll just, I guess I'll just go with, 80s bands and musicians that I'm I'm listening to recently. Um, I've been listening to some uh, Prefab Sprout. Um, Prefab Sprout. Who I think you would like, John. Oh, probably. Yeah. Um, but just a very a very pleasant listen. Um, I'm like just getting into them, so I don't know. But like, if I'm gonna do like three that I'm I'm like listening to now, and uh, I would say Prefab Sprout number three currently for me. So yeah, like that. Okay. Yeah. Rachel, you're number two. That was going to be Kate Bush for me. Okay. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, you have the Kate Bush records there. What is, what about Kate Bush is your. Well, um, she was very ahead of her time for what she was doing in the eighties. I mean, you hear a lot of like classic eighties instrumentation and like, she's, she's sort of thought of in the UK as like, a doing experimental pop similar to Peter Gabriel. I mean, uh, yeah. Who they, they, I, think they work together a bit and she uses a lot of the same like instrumentation that he did and i'm a little bit less knowledgeable on peter gabriel and a bit more knowledgeable on kate bush but i do know that they had a working relationship have i guess still a working relationship and uh i'm just a real i'm just a real sucker for like some good alternative pop music i mean i love pop music of all forms but um like i remember 10 years or so ago and like Lady Gaga's uh, art pop came out and um, it it was the album with the, I always think of like those, those Kia hamsters, because they had, (laughs) because because the, the Kia soul or something like had the, you know, they used applause for um, their, their ad run, their ad campaign. Right. And uh, I, I just think that album's great. Like, I think that song is great. I think she's really ahead of her time with that. And it's much more appreciated today, I think, than it was when it came out. And I feel like Kate Bush is very, just her whole career is a bit similar. Um, she was doing things that um, 
really nobody else was doing in, in pop music at the time. And I think that's why she's you know, contemporarily enjoyed today, just because a lot of bands today try to like, you know, re revive what she was doing. It just sounds very timeless, even though it's very clearly of the eighties. Nice. Love it. Uh, okay. My number two, Duran Duran, uh, I mean, no explanation necessary. Unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable run of bangers that they had uh, through the 80s. And I think too, not necessarily, I wouldn't say ahead of their time like Kate Bush, but I think they're one of the bands that sound extremely 80s, but very easily, like if you heard Rio, it's, if someone told you that Rio was a new single, you'd be like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense to me. Or, or you know, any of their kind of big songs, uh, they all sort of fit in that, that sort of, you can hear it, but it does have that kind of timeless quality. And they're also just very cool. I feel like Duran Duran. So that's my number two, Stefan. I would say and this number two for me right now, and this is just based off one specific song, but I've been listening to it a lot. And the song is, is called forget me nots. Uh, and it's by Patrice uh, Russian, who I don't know if, uh, John, if, if, if you've heard of her, what the f- what are you doing right now? What you- is this thing you're doing? These are, I'm just ah, doing my favorite musical act of the eighties. So this one song by Patrice Russian, listen to the song and tell me it's not a, a perfect yeah. song. I'm not saying it's not a good song. I just, I'm just a little surprised as to what we're getting here from okay. your top. 80s well, here, here's what John has open in front of him on his laptop. He has the, uh, GTA vice city soundtrack open in front of him <laughs> listing bottom to top. Uh, no, I'll say I'll, just in terms of, uh, you know, again, this is what I'm listening to currently. Yeah, but yeah I would no, that's say good. Patrice, Patrice Russian. Russian. Yeah. All right. Uh, and your number one, Rachel. Okay. So this is, uh, kind of in, in love and in honor of my hometown in New Jersey. Uh, one of my favorite New Jersey bands of all time, um, is the, a band called the feelies. Don't thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, Less like synthy eighties. They're more like jangle rock eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I feel like a lot of their albums have just like gotten me through some tough times. Um, particularly they have a song called it's only life that I return to all the time. It's, I don't think it's even on Spotify. Like a few of their albums are just not on streaming, but when I was living in New York, they reunited, like they, they put out a couple of albums since I think they got back together, I want to say in like 2012, they put out a couple of albums in the last 10 years. Um, and they, they, they don't really tour. They only really perform in and around New Jersey and New York. And, um, you know, they're, they're just really solid and they, you know, they, they've really inspired so many follow-up acts like REM being a big one and Weezer's, Blue album is kind of meant to look like uh, the Feelies debut, Crazy Rhythms. It's got like, oh, the same okay. the same blue background and kind of like the way that that they're the band themselves are, are positioned. And so, a lot of my favorite bands, just in general, have really taken huge influence from the Feelies and what they did. And the Feelies were an interesting band that like they could have been pretty famous, but they kind of opted not to be. They for I think for no other reason than they just weren't interested in in all of the stuff that comes with just constant touring and promotion and just like the the rigmarole that a really well like famous famous band will have to go through. I think they, you know, they're a bit more of like homebody esque. 
and uh, just as a band, and I can relate to that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. And I gotta listen yeah, to some feelies. Yeah. They just uh they they just really like they, they have really good like upbeat, anxious sounding, but also like melodic. They kind of put I love a good act that like is a little bit anxious. You can feel that tension, but um they also have a sort of calming effect. Yeah. They do they do that for me. Nice. Hell yeah. Uh my number one, much less of a personal attachment to this band, but uh number one for me, Tears for Fears. Great choice. Uh, just a, just put out a new album. Yeah. And it's not bad. It's not, not amazing, bad. but it's not mm-hmm. bad. Um, yeah, I, I feel like, I think I might've even said this on the show before, but a couple of years ago, I really got into songs from the big chair and it was crazy to think about, you know, you talk about the feelies being a huge influence on bands. It was crazy how like every song on songs from the big chair is just like a different modern electronically inspired band. It's like, Oh, that song is MGMT. Oh, that song is you know, uh, Fantagram. Oh, that song, you know, it was just like, you could totally hear how all of these synth bands now were just cribbing ideas from tears for fears, particularly songs from the big chair, um, incredible album. And, and also, uh, I feel like never, I've never gotten sick of the big singles either. Like you can play yeah. me shout or everybody wants to rule the world or what any time. And I am never sad to hear it. So yeah, tears for fear is my number one for sure. Stefan. My number one is Kate Bush. Yeah, you're a big you're a big Kate Bush guy. I am. You always have been. I always have been. Uh, I mean, Wuthering Heights is I think that was '78 technically, but um, obviously, yeah. you know, Running Up That Hill, Army Dreamers, Babushka. Babushka. I oh was just God. singing Babushka to my dog the it's, other day. It's a great song to <laughs> sing to pets. It really is. Well, he, he like kind of propped up, like popped his face up under a, he's like a, a big burrower. He loves yeah. to burrow under the cover. So his face kind of popped up under like the blanket. He had this like blanket across his face. I was like, oh yeah, Babushka. Like at him. <laughs> it's a great song. And then, yeah. Stephen, I mean, why don't yeah. you sing a little Babushka to I, oh, Kiki I, right now? I, I would. She's asleep. I don't, I don't want to bother her. She's well, asleep on my I mean, desk just, right you know, now. we could have just imagine if you know maybe she was around and doing something cute yeah know. yeah uh also like yeah. hounds of love hounds of just love in, great. you know Cloud just if busting. he was sort of doing yeah. something cute that you're yeah. like oh maybe i would want to sing babushka sure. to her like what would yeah, that sort of know. sound like but what would I don't, that kind I, of sound like if you were to if i if i try and sing kate bush right now it will actually ruin <laughs> kate bush for rachel so <laughs> um the other thing i found out recently that was insane is that she follows me on twitter for some reason and i don't know why uh at all like it doesn't make any sense to me but i it like i don't think it's, it's not her bush on posting. bp it's not her posting on there i don't think can I you think imagine like, if we had kate bush on this stupid show just be, yeah i don't would I don't kate that's bush ever be more happen. improbable than tony hawk it would be right oh, yeah because yeah, tony hawk's like so. way more out there so, he's yeah, more kate online bush would be I think. Crazier, like yeah. she's she is not running her twitter account so it's no. her team has followed me on twitter but it's still very strange to see um uh, what i hope is that this time like inspire something new from her, whether it's a tour, I know she's kind of tour adverse or mm-hmm. new, new music, new anything. Yeah. I, I hope that she finds a reason to do something with all this, but I will also understand if she doesn't. Yeah. Cause her last she, album was like 10 years ago, I think. Oh my God. Here, I'm going to look it up. I think it was same. 
Yeah, okay, it was 2011. It was 50 words for Snow. And then Ariel before Ariel was really good as well. I I, I really do like Ariel. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, she goes like, yeah, that was The Red Shoes, 93. Ariel, 2005. 50 words for Snow, 2011. So we're, we're overdue. And like you said, maybe with her resurgence, we'll, yeah, uh, we'll I mean, get a new she, album. Yeah. yeah. I know she's always had a bit of a like, sort of complicated relationship to uh, the, the uh, business side yeah. of the music game. And um, I see her as kind of an artist's artist. So I, I would not blame her if she doesn't really want to make anything of this, but I yeah. think she does. Yeah. yeah. I also, my favorite Kate Bush period was when in Canada, she had to be called Kate Bush X. Okay. Now that is a really, okay. Can you, can you actually, that's a joke where I think you need to explain that to the listeners. Oh, well, there was a Canadian band called Bush. So when Bush was popular <laughs> in the late nineties, they were Bush everywhere else on earth, but in Canada, they had to be called Bush X. <laughs> and then they finally reached a settlement with the Canadian band Bush. And they held a press conference in Toronto <laughs> where they put a Velcroed X on the Bush X sign and Gavin Rossdale pulled it off of the sign. It's one of the funniest things you'll oh ever see. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for being thank here. You, Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug? Ooh, good question. I haven't had a chance to think about this, but well, um, I was just on It's Been a Minute uh, on NPR with my colleague, Chris DeVille from Stereogum. Um, that would be a Plugging pretty another cool podcast. Listen. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just kidding. I'm totally joking. <laughs> Uh, what you're asking me if I want to plug your podcast? <laughs> yeah, plug it on here. Now, when you go on NPR, you better be plugging Block Party. <laughs> right. uh, you, yeah, I mean, you're you're also a great writer. That's why we're here. Thank I you. followed you because I love your writing on Stereo Gum. Um, and people can follow. You're just at Rachel Brodsky on Twitter, correct? Uh, not quite. Uh, I'm okay. at Rachel Brods. So just shorten the last name at ah. Rachel Brods. Hell yeah. Okay, there we go. Wonderful. Well, everybody give Rachel a follow, read some of her writing, listen to her on NPR. Uh, As for us, again, you can donate to the show, patreon.com slash block party. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at block party pod. We'll see you back here next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.